listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, we have the nation's foremost authority on growing your business with the Direct Response Marketing Podcast, and his name is Seth Green. You've probably heard of Seth. He's the co-host of the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington, which was named the number six podcast to listen to in 2019. He's also the founder of the direct response marketing firm, marketdominationllc.com. He's an eight-time best-selling author who's been interviewed on NBC News, CBS News, Forbes, Inc., CBS Money Watch, and many more. Our topic title for today is how to get your dream 50 influencers growing your business for you every week for a year. So if you're in the business of getting business, Make sure you take notes while you listen to Seth. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I appreciate you sharing this with other people. Uh, if you have any other ideas about guests, please email me. My email address is scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. And now let's listen to Seth. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Seth Green. And today we're talking about how to get your dream 50 influencers growing your business for you every week of the year. Seth, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be here. I'm super excited. Yeah, and now you, you've got an incredible reputation. You've built a highly regarded credentialed reputation in the direct response marketing world. Tell us a little bit about what you started at earlier in your career and how did you get to where you are today? Okay, so I'm gonna try and do a super short version of that. The longer version's on YouTube. So I started out as a cold calling financial advisor, interrupting strangers asking for money. <laughs> I, I hated it. I found legendary marketing guru, Dan Kennedy, I begged my wife for 30 days to let me borrow more than our mortgage on our new house to go hire Dan. I worked with Dan. I was the 6,700th ranked financial advisor at a Fortune 500 company, which means I was in dead last place and because <laughs> I hated making cold calls. And I, in two years of working with Dan, I was in the top 30 nationwide for opening new accounts. So what we did together worked really well. I got written about in a bunch of trade journals. I started... My phone started ringing. This is all before the internet. My phone started ringing off the hook with financial advisors who wanted to do what I did. They said, hey, I read about you. How do I do that? Right. So I said, Dan, what do I do? He said, you start a marketing company and do it for them. So 13 years ago, I started marketdominationllc.com. It started out as me and one financial advisor and has now grown over the last 13 years to a team of 38 amazing team members. And we've served over 2,368 clients nationwide that has actually, it's all over the planet, literally in every time zone. And we branched out to 63 different industries because the principles that I learned that grew that business, that then grew the marketing business, also grow our clients' businesses every day. Wow. Well, tell us about the story. How did you kidnap Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington? Tell me about that. Yes. So I'm a huge Shark Tank fan. And about seven, eight years ago, I got a, a text message from a BNI member friend who said, hey, did you know Kevin from Shark Tank? Kevin Harrington's coming to speak in Buffalo. And I said, no one ever comes to Buffalo to speak. What are you talking about? <laughs> and it turns out EO, entrepreneurs organization that Kevin co-founded with Michael Dell, 
was having a 20 or 30 or whatever year anniversary. So Kevin and Michael were touring the world, going to regional conferences and speaking. So the regional conference for like the Northeastern United States happened to be in Buffalo. And I didn't even know what EO was, but I moved. I canceled the eight meetings I had that day. I paid $300 for a ticket because I wasn't a member. I went, saw Kevin speak, went to the waiting line at the back of the room. Everybody was getting selfies. Everybody was buying copies of his new book and getting an autograph. And I said, that's not going to make me stand out. I need to do something else. So I said, when it was my turn, Mr. Harrington, I'm here to take you to the airport. And Mm -hmm. this was before Uber. And he said, oh, I was just going to take a cab. And I said, no, they insist. I'm supposed to take you to the airport. <laughs> and he said, okay, I guess I should go with you then. Uh, let me finish signing autographs and taking pictures. I have one meeting. Why don't you come with? You can be a fly on the wall. And then you can take me to the airport. So I did. I drove very slowly to the airport so that I had more time to pitch him. He said, okay. <laughs> By the time I got to the airport, he said, all right, I'm interested. Send me what you want to send me. You know, Here's my address. We shipped him out a shock and awe box, which is a whole separate conversation. The next day, he, because I had prepared it, assuming I could get him to say yes, he then called me, but called me from a board meeting saying his secretary just interrupted his board meeting because she wanted him to see this coolest thing ever, which was my Mm -hmm. box. Uh, He said, I'll call you later. He called me later. That started a consulting relationship with us and asseenontv.com. That then he then sold that company, hired us to do marketing for a number of his portfolio companies, and then three, four years ago said, Hey, you know, what do you what's the latest, greatest thing you're doing? And I told him about our Dream 50 process. And he said, I want a podcast. I don't want to do any work. And mm-hmm. I said, Awesome, I've already got a show. Why don't you come on and we'll rebrand around the two of us as opposed to just me? Right. And I'll do all the other episodes. You just do one a week because you're super busy. And promote that episode to your following, which is enormous, and we'll execute the process for you. And he said, as they say on Shark Tank, I'm in. Right, right. Well, you you think out of the box, Seth. And I think you've got a lot of creativity and a lot of focus, certainly a lot of drive and energy. Uh, share with us a little bit about this Dream 50 system. What what does that mean? How would you define that? How did you come up with that? And, and tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, okay. So... The Dream 50 process, It's uh, I took it from Chet Holmes, who worked for, at one time, worked for Warren Buffett, and took a magazine company from last place in its industry in terms of ad revenue to number one in less than a year and a half. And this was before the internet. So he did it by taking the top 167 advertisers in the industry, and he, he dripped on them twice a month for like a year and a half and was able to get a significant percentage of them to become clients and took his, you know, put his magazine on the map, so to speak. So what I did is I brought that process into the 21st century so that it includes a audio podcast, it includes a video podcast, it includes a blog post, it includes a book, it includes social media, all of these things we call value bombs. Right. That we are delivering to your ideal centers of influence before we ever ask them for anything on your behalf. And then because we've done all of these things promoting them, they when we then say the next step to talk about promoting you and your business, they say, well, you're like my new best friend, Scott. Of course, I would do that. Of course, I would jump on a call with you and talk about it. And then we turn them into referral partners. We turn them into centers of influence. We turn them into speaking engagements. We even turn them into clients. 
And it's a way to get one of them promoting your business every single week for a year. So let me back up a little bit. When you talk about drip, what does that mean? You said that Chet Holmes would drip on 157 advertisers. What does yes. that mean? What did he do? How often? So, what was his yes. frequency? So he sent them direct mail once a month, and then he called them on the phone once a month. We do a whole lot more than that because we have technology he didn't have. Right, so we right. do an audio podcast, a video podcast, social media, a blog post, a book, and direct mail, and email, and LinkedIn, and phone. So we are dripping on them in tons of different forms of media, tons of different ways, at tons of different times, so that you are literally almost always in front of them, adding value, so that by the time you ever say, hey... I know that you guys are LexisNexis and you serve all the law firms I want to recruit for. Can you do a webinar with me about secrets of recruiting great lawyers for your list? They say, of course, we would love to. And poof, instead of getting one client at a time, now you're doing a webinar for a couple hundred law firms and maybe 10, 20, 30 of them hire you and you've got your entire year set in right. you know one hour. And I like what you said. It's about content that offers value. Let me ask you to elaborate on that. When I'm doing a podcast, should I say, let me tell you a little bit, but if you want the secrets, you've got to buy from me, or should I just be generous and liberal with content that helps people? What do you think? So our goal for our clients is the podcast they do with their Dream 50 members is all about the Dream 50 member. So in this case, you shouldn't be talking about yours. We tell our clients all the time, the podcast should be the other people talking 90% of the time and you asking questions 10% of the time. It's about them. Right. You need to let them show off and make them look good as much as possible because the more they get to show off, the more they will like you, the more engaged they will be to share that with their following, which helps grow yours. And then the more they will reciprocate later when you eventually do ask them to directly promote you to their audience. Right. You know, it's interesting because you and I talked about this before. I started my podcast back in 2009, back when people were listening to podcasts on iPods and really built my whole training business for the recruiting industry that I eventually sold. And I realized so much business came from that because people want content. They want information that's going to help them. And then when people are ready to buy, they're going to be the ones that reach out to you. And that's with this show. I put this out for a couple of objectives. One of those is to build that relationship and that rapport with partner level attorneys so that if and when they're ready to move, they're going to reach out to me. But in the meantime, giving them information that helps them today with some of their challenges related to client development. And so let me, let me kind of go a little bit more narrower on podcasting. Who do you think is an ideal professional that should start a podcast? What, what do you think about that? So I think it should be anybody who is a professional practice. So doctor, lawyer, accountant, financial planner, law firm, who has a decent transaction value. So if you were trying to sell $2 slices of pizza, because you had a pizza delivery place, I would not do this. <laughs> it would, there wouldn't be enough volume. Right. To, and pizza buyers aren't necessarily listening to podcasts about how to buy their buy or best the best pizza. Right, right, right. It wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work very well. Right. Whereas if you were a professional author, speaker, coach, consultant, lawyer, and your transaction value, maybe people hire you for a thousand dollars, five thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand dollars. If there's a high transaction value, mm -hmm. then 
it works a lot better because then you don't need to worry about, did I sell 3000 pieces of pizza because of my podcast this month? It's, Hey, did I create one relationship a week? And will that one relationship a week, four weeks in a row, 12 months a year, is that going to lead to a couple of new clients every single month? Right. So that over the course of a year, I mean, for doing it for us, we've driven 5.5 million in revenue from it. So mm-hmm. we know it works and it and that's for our business, not counting our clients. I think it's it's interesting. You're absolutely right. If somebody has a very narrow niche and they're number one in the world and they charge a lot for what they do, even if they only had a hundred people listen to their show, it's still worth it because those are the hundred people that are going to hire them. Those are the people that they want to build their brand. What are some examples of podcasts that professionals have put on that you've seen? What are kind of the different categories that you've seen have, have worked well? So we've done a lot. So we've done a, a ton in financial services. We've done a number of legal podcasts. We've done a number of accounting podcasts. We've done health and wellness. So that might be supplements. It might be chiropractor. It might be naturopath. It might be alternative medicine. We've done it in, we have done it in consumer goods. Although if it's a lower priced item, you know, it takes more work. We've done it for people who sell courses and consulting and coaching. So it really, as long as you think outside the box enough and figure out who the influencers are, that if they sent, you know, if you had 50 of them sending out an email or a tweet or a Facebook post or a LinkedIn message every week for a year would, you know, put another zero at the end of your bottom line, you can make it work. Right, right. What are some of the big mistakes you think professionals make when they're podcasting? Number one, obviously, is not doing it. Number two is giving up too soon. There's 400,000 inactive podcasts on iTunes, which means they started and then stopped. And I think the biggest error is probably not thinking strategically from the beginning. They start doing it just to put out content without thinking about the strategy of how is this going to generate revenue. We had someone come to us the other day who's an author that we've published to bestseller status multiple times. And he said, hey, I haven't talked to you guys in six months. It's been a while. I wanted to let you know I started a podcast. They said, okay, that's great. What is it? We went and checked it out. He did it on his own. And I said, you have 212 episodes and you only have two reviews. What have you done to market this? And he said, absolutely nothing. I said, well, that's the problem. And the entire show is 15 to 30 minutes of him talking about his stuff. Well, the problem is he's the only one who's going to promote it should he ever decide to promote it. That's why a lot of the show, most of the shows, we do our interview shows because you're interviewing me right now. I am then, when you publish this episode, I will email my entire list. I will post on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere I am. I will post that I was on your show and some of my following will come to you. If all you did was talk by yourself, you're the only person who cares And the whole point of our Dream 50 process is to get other people spreading your message for you to your target market. Right. That's a great idea. So so let me ask you then, what would a professional do? And feel free to elaborate on what you do that could help somebody, because I think you've you've kind of earned the right to, to pitch a little bit. What would a professional do if they wanted to start a podcast? Let's say there's an attorney that is a litigator and he or she wants to grow their visibility. What would you recommend that they do to get started on something like this? Well, the first thing I would do is think about the strategy is say, who is my ideal client and who else influences them? That's the D and D-R-E-A-M, Dream 50. Every letter stands for something. So I would say that they need to work from the end. Like Stephen Covey said, start with the end in mind. So if he's a litigator, is he civil, criminal, commercial? If he's commercial, what t- he doesn't represent 
the pizza place, right? Because they probably can't afford him and they're not in big lawsuits over pepperoni. He's probably representing good sized companies. So if we, and who's the decision maker who might bring him in? Is that the CEO, CIO, CFO? That's right. Chief counsel. That's right. Right. So let's think about who is his ideal corporate person to get him in the door. And then who are the influencers who could introduce him to those at scale? Because I don't want you to just get one litigation client. I want you to get 10 or 50 or 100 or however many you can handle. In order to do that, you need leverage and scale. And you need people who have influence not over one of your potential clients, but over 100 of those companies or 1,000. So that, for example, I did a webinar with someone on our Dream 50 list, who's one of our partners last week. And they emailed 50,000 of my ideal client about that webinar. So that's the type of leverage you're looking for now. I'm not going to take, not 50,000 aren't going to open the email or sign up. And I'm not going to take everybody who shows up on the webinar as a client, but that allows me to have scarcity. That allows me to say, we can only take seven slots and there's 500 of you. So now people are more urgent and it allows me to raise my prices and cherry pick who I want to work with. That's great. So let me kind of, move into strategy in terms of a definition of a correct target market? What would that mean exactly? And what what would you advise somebody if they're really trying to pinpoint their target market? Sure. So you can't be anything to everybody. If you are, you're really nothing to nobody. I would say that it has to be a, a micro niche. So it has to be properly defined. So I'll give you an example. If you are a financial advisor, a lot of times those folks, when I speak at industry conferences or now speak on Zoom webinars about to them, I'll ask, who's your ideal client? Type it for me in the chat box. And everybody says, baby boomer with money. That's not a tightly defined target market. But if you said, I want Republican hunters with a million dollars in their nest egg who own land, Mm -hmm. now maybe in our city of Buffalo, where I live, there's 362 of those Republican hunters who have a million dollars. And it's way cheaper to market to 362 of them in a good way than it would be to mass market to 100,000 baby boomers who have nothing in common. So I got to send them a generic message. So the tighter you make that niche, the more you can dominate, the more you can make money and help more people faster. And I liked what you said. You talked about influencers also. What would you mean by an influencer? What does that mean? So an influencer is someone who simply has a list of your target market in some way, shape, or form. So if I sold malpractice insurance to attorneys and that was my business, I'm an influencer for you because I might have sold a thousand policies and I specialize in working with attorneys. So theoretically, I could get you in front of some international law firms. They might not be my entire list, but there might be 50 on my list that could be good prospects for you. So I'm a micro-influencer for you. My wife is one of the top 100 mommy bloggers in the country and a podcaster. And so we are pulling, we are getting her podcast guests from a list we curated of the top 100 parenting podcasts on iTunes. Oh, wow. Because as each one of those women, most of them are women, comes on my wife's show, they have such a wonderful time and build a relationship and then say, oh my goodness, you should be on my show. And now they're telling their parenting podcast followers about my wife's show, and she's growing her audience on the back of those other influencers. So it's you're cross-pollinating each other's brands, pretty much. Exactly. So I, I would be willing to bet if I was looking to start something like this, I'd never done it before, I would look at trade association, convention, website yep. pages. Exactly. Perfect. Who, 
you know, what are the topics people are talking about? Who are the speakers? Who are the panelists? Who are the consultants? Yeah. And who are the advertisers and the sponsors? What, what do you perfect. think about that? You're exactly right. I think you were spot on. We mine association lists for our clients all the time. Yeah, that's the watering hole. That's where everybody hangs out. Right. You know? Or the biggest conferences in their industry. And yeah, they may I, be virtual now, but they're easy to mine. Yeah. And I've, I've found if you can get good relationships with certain vendors that sell to the exact same market that yep. you do, and then you could even have formalized strategic alliances where you barter with each other. You create collaborative relationships. Laura Leopard owns a company called Leopard Solutions. I've done content for law firm recruiting departments and law firm leaders on how to be more effective at recruiting partners. She's taken my videos. She's pushed them out to her list. It doesn't cost her anything to send an email and she doesn't have to produce the content. And she's not saying, hey, everybody, pay attention to our offering. She's saying, hey, everybody, here's some content that helps you whether you work with us or not. So exactly. I've been able to establish alliances like that in a very economical way. And this is a thing I think of anytime I develop a relationship with somebody, Seth. I look at who are the people that I can help the most. Because that's what you have to lead in with when you're ever making contact with the prospective strategic partner is how can I help this person? And you lead in with that because that's what's on their mind also. And you want to make sure that, yeah, it's going to help you as well. And so I think that when you try to do what you're talking about, and I know let's just say somebody's never even thought about this before, but they're starting to think, I need to get serious about client development. I need to build a brand. I need to build a reputation. And I've always learned that you don't ever have to be the one that says, hey, I'm a big deal. If you can get enough other people out there to say, hey, he's a big deal because yes. they trust you and they've heard of you. What, what are your exactly. thoughts about that? I agree 100%. So it absolutely, you, Zig Ziglar said, you can help, you can get it whatever you want if you help another enough other people get what they want. And this is a way to do that on steroids. That's right. That's right. So let me ask you this final question that I want you to kind of bring it home with the three action steps. And then I want to, I want you to pull the curtain behind and kind of show us what you have that can help people. But, but let me ask you this. If you had hundred dollars and a laptop and no network, what would you do to start over? I would pick a niche. I would start a podcast. I would go interview the 20 or 30 biggest influencers in that space. And then I would use those I would turn those interviews into a book. I'd publish the book. So now I've got a podcast, perhaps a blog and a book. Mm. I've made myself an authority figure in that space. I probably have joint venture relationships with some of them now. And I would use their networks to sell the offering I created by asking them all what the biggest challenge in that niche was. And then I'd create a product or service that solved it. That's right. That's great. There it is. There is your business lesson of the day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so in terms of three action steps, what three action steps would you want to share with those listening where they can get started on taking action on what you've advised? Sure. So I would say let's define who, you, step one, define who your target market is. Mm -hmm. Step two, define who influences them. Mm -hmm. And then step three, define, figure out where those people hang out, whether it's at an association like you mentioned or someplace else so that you can start reaching out to them and start building that relationship. That's great, Seth. We're going to put all of the links that you have on our show notes. So anybody, if you're listening, you want to reach out to Seth, learn more about him, feel free to go to the show notes and you'll find that. But tell us about what are the offerings that you have that can benefit some of those listeners today, Seth? 
Absolutely. So if they go to your dream 50, your dream 50.com, they can register and watch a video training I did for the Harmon brothers, the Kings of viral video about how this exact process works. And then of course, at the end of that video, we're going to make an offer to have us do all the manual labor for them. And they can watch that video training for free. They'll also get the ebook of it for free, just for registering at your dream 50.com. That's great. Seth, thank you so much for being here. I'm sure we're going to have you back here on the show in the future. And thanks so much for your time and your wisdom and your generosity in sharing this today. Thanks for having me. I had a great time and I'd love to be back. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.